thanks for subscribing, downloading, and checking us out once again. This is the Live Life Aggressively Show. Sincere Hogan, Mike Marler on the other line. Man, again, I always like to bring up all the fun that we have before we start recording. So, you know, I got I to start recording the recordings before the recording and make that bonus <laughs> material for our Patreon subscribers, you know, so as a reward for them for always supporting us on a monthly basis, man. I think that that'll be a good little hookup for them. Some kind of like you, like you said before, like Bill Maher has after the show or whatever. We should have like before the show because that's where all the funny stuff happens. Right. We can't do after the show because that's was just you and me. And then, you know, we so. cut people off. <laughs> <laughs> When the guests try to stick around, we just delete them. Like, oh, you're, like, you're, you're, you're done now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Get on with your day. Well, we can't talk yeah, about man. you if you're still on the live, man. Get off. <laughs> exactly. No, just kidding. And we also have a lot of people using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off some great products. We've got Ross Turpin, Mark Wilson, Ronald Mitchell, Steve McCaskey, Warren Nichols, Brandon Schultz, Steve Murphy, Matt Brandt, David Jin, and Philip Biga. They've all been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off. Some great nutrition supplements, videos, information products over at MikeMahler.com. So make mm-hmm. sure you use that coupon code. Support the show. Support my business. And they can also use it at your website, right? Yeah, at NewWarriorTraining.com. Here's the cool thing, folks. One thing that you probably noticed about Mike and myself, we didn't sit there and try to dupe you during the whole little holidays thing. So my, you know, here's the Black Friday thing. Here's the Cyber Monday. Here's Small Saturday. You know what? Why do we have to pick three days out of the year to do that, man? Why not hook you up throughout the year? And that's what we do with this LLA coupon code. You can use it anytime throughout the freaking year. You don't have to sit there and like save up your pennies. Like, let me wait till November and get it. You can, all, you can do it now. And that's the beautiful thing about that. So yeah, head over to MikeMahler.com. Head over to NewWarriorTraining.com. Use that coupon code any freaking time you want to for the best supplements on Mike's site as well as the best information product on both of our websites and for all you coffee lovers out there because okay some of you may have been waiting till you know that that little holiday in December that people kind of celebrate there to kind of buy some stuff for your coffee lovers out there head over to warriortrain.com get a Cheria door hook your people up with some damn good coffee that they can brew anywhere anytime and it's environmentally friendly okay you don't have to plug it into or anything like that it's like Get some hot water, get some great coffee, and I got suggestions for great coffee as well on that same page. And there you go, man. You're hooked up. And also, you can do it with tea as well. So you're not just limited to coffee because I know some folks out there that don't drink coffee. So, but you know, they love tea. I got a hookup for you too. You can use yeah, it for I that used, as well. I use the Triador for tea, coffee. It's also great. Anyone who's ever stayed in Vegas, especially on the Strip, you notice that they never have a coffee maker in the room <laughs> because they want, they want you to <laughs> drink get alcohol, to blow ten bucks on some Starbucks yeah. coffee. Yeah. So if you have a tree door, which is portable, easy to take anywhere you want, you can you always I mean they, they always have a hot pot in the room, so you can just boil some water and make your own mm-hmm. coffee. Yep. So it, de- it definitely is a portable device for going anywhere in the world and making sure you have your own high quality coffee because we all know how it is on the road. It's not gonna <laughs> not not a lot of good options. Yeah, exactly. So there you go, folks. Make use of that coupon code. All right, man, let's talk about let's talk to yes. our guest. Speaking about a guy's on the road, this guy's Man. been all over the road. It's a road warrior for real. Yeah. And, I, and I've known our guest for a long time. Great guy, great strength coach, great fitness expert. And then he's doing what I think a lot of people say they would always love to do but never do, which is travel the world. And not only travel the world, but really get into different cultures out there. He's not going to a country and then hitting McDonald's. <laughs> or going to, you know, a lot of Americans like to go to other countries and they go to places they go to in America. You know? It's so funny, not man. Really yeah. I went to Paris and I saw a line outside the KFC. I'm like, wait a minute, man. Yeah, We're exactly. in Paris. Really? KFC in Paris? First of all, that's wrong. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, just, that's all types of wrong right there. Man. There's a KFC 
see in Kenya, but it's called a Kenya fried chicken. <laughs> Kenya fried. Of Kentucky fried chicken. Well, at least you know the chicken's real. <laughs> if it's coming from they Kenya. They just take breads because I mean, none of the national breads are in most of Africa, right? So they just they got McDowell's <laughs> like coming to America, McDowell's instead of McDonald's. This one guy has a travel agency in Kenya. It's called Indiana Jones Adventure Traveling or something like that. It has like a poster of Harrison Ford in you know the Indiana Jones outfit. These guys can care less. It's hilarious uh, when you see that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, our guest today is Luke Snooski. He's the author of A Million Ways to Live, and he is also the producer of the show A Million Ways to Live, which is a great show that you can check out on his website. I think it's on YouTube as well, all, all over the web. This is an extremely well-produced show. It's like something that you would see on the Travel Network. I wouldn't be surprised if they contact Luke and want to put a show on there. It's that level of quality. Luke, how you doing today, man? I'm good, man. It's so good to be on here. And uh, Mike, I've been following you for years, and we have been friends. Thanks for mentioning that for a long time. So thank you. So appreciative to be on. And sincere, we've hung out. We've competed together in Detroit at the Kettlebell Competition. Oh, yeah. So it's good to hear your voice again as well. Thanks, you guys man. are still alive, huh? Exactly. Yeah. We're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, how did this whole journey happen for you? I mean, like you said, I mean, every person dreams and talks about traveling around the world. And I'd had been talking about it for years, like, man, I'm going to travel around the world. I'm going to travel around the world. And it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it with purpose, with with something that's bigger than myself, something that's not just a tourist experience. And um, the more I, you know, the more I studied, the more I got into the strength, fitness, nutrition, coaching world, the more I realized that there's so many different ways of looking at it, so many different ways of achieving goals. And I wanted to see how other people around the world and other cultures around the world we're finding health and happiness in their own ways. And um, it was really just a crazy experience to go to 40 different countries and produce, you know, nearly 60, around 60 different episodes. It's crazy. Yeah. Is there is there a place in particular that really sticks out? You know, that's, I get asked that a lot. And there isn't because every place is special because hmm. every person or every culture that you're speaking with has found their truth through their own way. And like when you're in contact with truth, like their truth, yeah. it like it like overcomes you with like, yeah, you, you know your shit. And even though it's different than my shit, like, you know it and you got there with your own experience. And that that takes courage to really just follow your own path and blaze your own trail and say, I'm not just going to read this and take it as truth, as gospel. I'm going to see what works for my body, what what allows me to thrive. And um, that's what I found more so than anything was how people were finding their own truth. And you could tell just by looking in their eyes that it, it was there. It was permanent. Yeah. Are there some examples? <clears throat> um, different countries? In different countries, let's go with like, hmm, like Tanzania. Uh-huh. I, went, I, was, I hung out with the Maasai tribe and they they don't kill their animals or they don't eat animals pretty much because they value it's value and wealth within the community so but in order to get proteins and amino acids and all the nutrition from the animal obviously they milk it but they also bleed it so blood eventually you know restores and more blood cells come back afterwards but they get um they get the nutrition from the blood by combining the milk and the blood and drinking that and that was quite the experience and um well, wow, I, like, no, I had no idea. I just assumed Maasai were hunters as well, hunter-gatherers. But they yeah, because I always wonder. Yeah, because the lions. You know, I mean, my wife was telling me how you know when she went to Africa, they uh, as you're doing a tour, they were saying that you know a lot of times, like even the lions when they see the Maasai, they just have respect for the Maasai tribe, and the lions kind of like ah, I'm gonna go, there's a Maasai guy. Let me go over here. <laughs> okay, so you know, to me that's a, I just figured like okay, they must be some fierce hunters for the, even lions to back down. Like oh, I'm not messing with those dudes. Like well, I no actually, the, the guy I interviewed killed a lion, and the reason why they hunt the lions is if a lion does attack a cow or a goat, 
they have to hunt that lion down, that specific lion down and kill it. Otherwise, that cat, that animal thinks it can come back and feast more. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's wow. about protecting the rest of the the, the herd. Right. And so so and then the person that does does kill the animal they're just rewarded from all the families within the tribe with uh, with more livestock so it's it's um it's very deeply rooted to protect the the long-term health and sustainability of the culture right. and yeah yeah so it's the not it's not trophy hunting right there no some jack all. off is you know killing a lion for a trophy no, in his living room no. exactly they they don't, some they dentist don't any, yeah <laughs> They don't post their killings on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what did they think when they saw you with cameras and stuff like that, right? Because they're pretty far removed from what we would call a technological society. You know, it depends because just like everything else, there's been commercial influence depending on the tribe that you visit. So so my goal was not to visit a commercial Maasai tribe because you can get that. Like you can get a commercial – you can get a commercial – bottled up packaged experience if you just want to buy it Mm -hmm. so so my whole thing was i had just finished um summoning mount kilimanjaro and i was talking to one of my local guides and i'm like hey i really want to get in with the maasai film an episode on their culture what they're doing but i do not want a commercial experience so he got back to me two days and we met up and like we drove to some street corner picked up a local maasai and literally drove to his village Mm-hmm. And and we were one of the first people there with cameras. And you know how you know how it goes is now that village is starting to bring in people. You know, so <laughs> I guess I, I guess I kind of started the process a little bit. But it was it was interesting because they like they 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 look at all these things and they're fascinated by them. But then yeah. at the same time, we're looking. I'm looking at their culture and I'm absolutely fascinated by the way they live, the way they thrive, the way everything. Their culture is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. What, what's a day like for the Messiah? They wake up. They wake up early in the morning. What, what do they do? Um, I spent an entire day out there. I didn't spend the evening. I didn't okay. spend. I didn't spend the night out there. So I wouldn't be able. To, and that being said, they're they're trying to show me everything that's traditional within the culture. Have you heard of Maasai dancing? Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that is epic to watch because mm. it's actually it actually correlates to the men. It's almost like um. A straight leg high jump, but yeah. they're bouncing. Yeah. And so usually the the tribes person, tribes tribesmen that can jump the highest and sustain that height for the most jumps is typically the most athletic person. It's almost like a combine. It's like a hunter's combine. And that person is leader of the pack, leader of the hunters. And it's it's incredible to use a, a plyometric assessment to, <laughs> right. determine, to determine the the leader of the pack. And it just so happened that the dude that was the, the best <laughs> dancer, or in my terms, I see it as jumping, the best yeah. high jumper yeah. was the leader of the pack. And he's the one that's killed, killed the lion. And like in that episode that I filmed, they showed me how to throw the spear. Like it was, it was nuts. And the, I could just, yeah, I, I can just imagine Steve Cotter in the audience, and he can't contain himself. He just starts <laughs> jumping out. There, you know? He's like, he's oh, that's that's that's, that's cool, brother. Can you do it on one leg? Yeah, but it is amazing, man. Because my wife came back from Uganda, man, and and she had pictures, you know, from one of those ceremonies. And I'm just looking at these guys in the photo like, you know, if I knew my wife was that technologically advanced, I knew she probably photoshopped that picture. But I'm like, I know better. So I'm like, wow, those dudes are like getting up. I mean, pretty much almost like just slightly above like our heads. 
you know, and they're doing this with a straight leg, man. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's great really physique. awesome. It's great physique. Yes, ago. exactly. In Kenya, they, these guys would just be shredded walking around. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when you eat real food. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> when there's no Kenya fried chicken nearby, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do they eat several times a day? Uh, yeah, yeah, they eat meals throughout the day, and um, it's it's there's even there like driving to the village, we stopped at like a convenience store, so there is access to bulk items. At this point, it's really everywhere in the world, and that's one of the things I saw. Like I was in Fiji, and I filmed a small village of 250 people in Tukavesi, and like within two generations ago, just two generations ago, there was no heart disease. No hypertension and no diabetes. Two generations later, I didn't even meet the real chief of the village because he was in the hospital with the worst case of diabetes the village had ever seen. And like now it's running rampant because they've instead of like dissolving coconut water to get the sugar, instead of dissolving ocean water to get the sea salt, they're getting these processed bags of crap salt and crap sugar. And it's like prominent throughout the village there's diabetes oh. hypertension and heart disease it's everywhere oh. I, and um i got really lucky because this was complete luck by the way most of the places and people i met and things that i was exposed to was luck it wasn't yeah. even research it was landing and just figuring it out as we went but here in fiji we happened to be at the only fijian village that had a united states um, peace corps worker there and he was working there on health education to educate people on you know like hey instead of eight or six um spoonfuls of sugar in your tea how about you go with like one or two and even that even those were hard cells for people and also incredible was the dichotomy the complete difference like night and day between the physique and health of the women of the village and the physique and health of the men of the village as children they grow up and they all look athletic they all look you know they're all moving but by adulthood the women have specific roles within the community and the men have specific roles the men are all like ripped shredded playing rugby every day and like the women are not at all and so it's amazing to see because the men are moving from literally from sunrise to sunset the, the women up. are they're, they're mm. obese or overweight yes the yeah. women are obese yeah. overweight unhealthy look man. the men are yeah i followed it <laughs> there i did get this spent i spent five yeah. days there mm-hmm. so there i'm following um one of the guys around mm-hmm. and from morning to night he's moving like the family mm-hmm. garden where he where they grow their root vegetables is about a kilometer or two away and I'm trying to keep up with them. It's funny because, like, they're walking barefoot, right? And I'm like, I, I can go barefoot. And I'm, like, tippy-toeing because the, bottom the bottoms of my feet are so sore. And I'm, like, barely walking. And then sprinting past me are, like, four children. I'm like, how do you guys do that? And, like, these stones just, like, drill into the bottom of my foot. And I just realized how, like – maladapted i am because of my own right. feet footwear and then these people are just like sprinting on these rocks and then you know and they, they, they all have a machete they're all chopping through the, the bush to get to their the gardens they pick their stuff they pull it up they chop it down they bring it back then they they build their oven from scratch every time they use it so they they fire heat some rocks and then they use like these palm fronds and then huge banana leaves as insulation and then they yeah. throw the root vegetables in there because otherwise you can't really eat a root vegetable and even when it's fully cooked it doesn't taste too appetizing right. so so you've got this this so the protein the protein in the Fijian village is a rarity so most of the protein came from catching some crabs from the ocean so we were the welcome guests so we got to eat some crabs but for the most part we were eating 
we were eating um you know root vegetables which is the most appetizing we were we were advised to um bring peanut butter and jars of something so we can <laughs> keep our calorie intake up especially which um especially given that um my son's mom claire she was um claire robbie she was helping out at the time she was there pregnant with jack in that because that was one of the first episodes we filmed in fiji so it was just this crazy epic experience Oh, yeah, man, too much. Yeah, I gotta blame that that obesity problem on the Kardashians, man. Because every time they vacation, they go to Fiji. So, <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's one more thing we can blame on the Kardashians, man. The curse of the Kardashians. They're infusing some American culture. They're probably telling the women like, "Why are you playing rugby, girl? You know, get your nails done. You know, somebody. Why don't you shop at Dash?" <laughs> well, you know, you, you actually bring up something really interesting because in a lot of traditional cultures, like in the Middle East and Lebanon, yeah. women aren't supposed to exercise. Exercise is viewed as unhealthy. Oh, I know. My wife's my my mother in law is from Lebanon. And, you know, one of my wife's cousins, you know, she's an everyone. I mean, she's made the news over there from all the marathons that she's won or whatever. But so many people, you know, before she got on TV, you know, before the news started following her and and everything she's accomplished before that, everybody thought she was crazy. And she was kind of like this black sheep of the family. And they thought she was really weird. Like, why would you want to do that? Why do you have to run? What are you doing? You know, so it was really looked down upon. Why are you not sitting here, you know, cooking for the men and, you know, making, you know, putting the shisha together and all this other stuff, you know, so all those traditions, she got away from that. She was kind of a rebel, man. And, you know, of course, you know, when my wife gets over there, it's just like they naturally click because they're so anti the traditional Middle Eastern woman when it comes to all that stuff, man. And it, it was just it was just baffling to me to sit there and think like, wow, so they're shunning her for running and actually want to take care of herself instead of sitting around eating all day and smoking shisha and and and, and, and God knows what else, where you have kids who smoke cigarettes when they're like four and they're smoking shisha, you know, doing hookah when they're like two years old, I mean, which is serious. Like my wife shows me pictures. They're two year olds and they're smoking from the hookah over there. I'm like, are, are you serious? <laughs> like, come on, man. So, but they have a problem with her cousin running, especially in the altitude over there. It's great because she runs in the mountains and all that, man. So it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, Lebanon's a beautiful country. And yes. you know, they start their they start their coffee pretty young too. So yes, they do. It's amazing. It's amazing to to see what is considered healthy, what's considered not healthy. Right. <laughs> You know, a lot of the younger generation is finding their way around those traditional norms by doing yoga because yoga is not really considered like an exercise, right. it's like a stretch. And so, they, so it's funny how people adapt, but it's, you know, that was just one thing I noticed. Yeah, I think also in the Middle East, it often it reflects poorly on the male if yeah. the woman is working or she's not overweight, especially at a certain age. Because it's like, man, you're not taking care of her. What's going on? You know, she's, she's so right. thin. She's malnourished. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. Yeah. But it's not like the men are that encouraged to be physical. I, no, no, no. Place all. like Dubai, I mean, it's hardly the epitome of physical fitness. Everybody's overweight there. Men, women, child, you name it. Hey, but I have Man, money. You, <laughs> okay, so that's, that's, that's all I need. Hey, if, you could, if you could put a hole in the ground and make money on that, I wouldn't be doing shit either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what, are, what are some other countries that... Have some. I'm sure you have interesting stories with pretty much everywhere you went to. But let's get a few more examples. Okay, cool. Well, how about this? Like, I went to well, Ethiopia mm-hmm. is just hands down one of the most interesting cultures and experiences on planet Earth. Not mm-hmm. just for me, but I think for everybody because it's so different because they're never colonized, so they don't have the influence right. of English or French or anything. It's really maintained its maintained its culture. I mean, so much so that it's not even 2015 there; it's 2008. 
and um, it's not twelve o'clock in the afternoon. It's not noon. It's six. A- it's six o'clock. So when we wake <laughs> up, at, when we wake up at six a.m., it's there zero o'clock, which makes sense because it's the start of the day. It's zero. So mm-hmm. then they literally get twelve hours of sunshine and then twelve hours of nighttime, which makes kind of logical sense. And it makes me wonder, like, why do we get up at six a.m. and not zero? And then <laughs> one other difference. Some of us do. <laughs> yeah. That, there you go. <laughs> Good point. Vegas, probably. <laughs> and it's uh, they've got 13 months in the year, not 12. So just some cultural differences that are so unique. And um, even their look, they look very different from other African countries. Yeah. And I would say they look more like Caucasians with dark skin. They, they look very Caucasian in terms of facial features and yeah. facial structures. And so it's just a very different, different African country. And then up north near uh, Bahadar, there's a small little community that's been around since the 60s called Aramba, which is they're fully self-sustaining. They rely on building their own crafts. They don't, they don't have enough land to be agriculturally independent. Mm-hmm. So they have to do like um, art. They have to build stuff, you know, and then um, it's it's completely equal. So let's start with religion. There's no public religion anywhere. So you're allowed to practice whatever you want privately, but in public, you don't talk about it and you keep it out of public discourse and discussion, which is actually a freaking amazing way of doing it. <laughs> Hell yes. yeah. And, and then um, there's complete or as complete as possible. I think it is fully complete gender equality. So jobs and duties and anything is delegated based on skill, not on sex. So you have men baking bread and women working in the shops based on skill. And then, and no one gets a free lunch. Everyone's working. Even, you know, like children aren't doing like factory labor, but they're, you know, they're getting the water and they're, they've got, they're pumping the well to get the water. So everyone's contributing to keep the community going and flourishing. And they've really maximized the land that they're using on using. So it was so amazing to see how how this this community uh, grew up in a in a very traditional, very conservative country, and yet it found a spark and it found people that were uh, in line with these beliefs, and now they're thriving. How is hmm. poverty out there though, in like the the economy? Um, the within the Aramba community, everyone. Everyone's eating like I ate all the food. There's nothing. There's no poverty within that community. Okay. But over, overall, yeah, I mean, there's poverty in Ethiopia. There's poverty in Uganda. Uganda is, you know, you brought up Uganda since mm-hmm. you. Uganda is the third poorest country on planet Earth, I yeah. think. But never have I met more friendly, giving, exactly. generous, and proud people in my life. Like not yeah. once. Not once, and I mean this seriously, not once did a hand come out, not, uh, an open palm be faced towards me for me to give them something. Yeah, that's my experience, too. I mean, yeah, it's like, totally different than Kenya. Kenya, yeah. I found people there to be real hustlers. <laughs> Everybody's on the take. You would talk to someone for – I remember this guy gave me – I was in the mosque just walking around. The guy was like, oh, yeah, let me give you a tour. I'll give you the, the background on the place. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then at the very end of the tour, he's like, okay, uh, how about giving me some money you know, to help out me? <laughs> and that was my experience all the time in Kenya. I remember I parked a car one time, and I got out. And this guard was like, hey, you just hit something back there. I was like, what do you mean I hit something back there? Don't you think I would know if I hit something? He starts writing down my plate. I knocked the pad out of his head. <laughs> he was just trying to get a bribe, man. He was just trying to give him some money to shut him up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I was in Kenya, but I was in Mombasa, which is yeah, yeah, like yeah. – beachfront so i expected it yeah yeah it it is people have no idea how beautiful mombasa is yeah but 
I, I expected it there. I just don't expect it. <laughs> I didn't know that it was everywhere else. But oh, you're being right about beach. Uganda. People are very – their personalities are very low-key, very yeah. light. Yeah, it was – We did a we did a gorilla trek out there, which was incredible. And the guys were really nice guys, very low-key. And I, I don't recall any hustler-type incident out there. You know? Total hustler to Kenya. Yeah, it just it doesn't exist, you know, and it's it's not that it's bad. It's just culturally different in other places. And it's one thing to have adults do it. But like when kids do it, when kids do it, it kind of like pulls at my heartstrings and not in a way that, yeah, you kind of feel sorry for. But I'm like, you're being conditioned at a very young age to think that you can just get something just by just putting your hand out. So in the Philippines, I'd like try. I'm like, how do I like come up with a strategy to help these kids? So so three kids ran up to me one time. And um, they stick out their hand. I'm like, all right, drop and give me 10 push-ups. So I made, <laughs> so I, I made the two right. kids, the two boys, do push-ups. And they got up and I gave them money. And like while they're doing the push-ups, all the locals are staring at me because they think I'm like some <laughs> asshole or something. I'm like, they don't even they don't even know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. And so one of the, an adult walked by and said, you shouldn't be doing that to the kids. <laughs> but after they did it, I paid them. And I'm like, okay, well, at least you're conditioning them. If I do something... I will get something right. in return. Right. So, I mean, maybe it doesn't freaking save the world or anything, but it's, uh, it's certainly better than looking away from the problem and ignoring it and or just not even looking them in the eyes when you give them something. Yeah, just spraying the money hose. Right. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't. It, so that was in, my India, India is the worst with that. That India makes Kenya look like Uganda, right? I mean, the hustlers in, in Kenya are nothing compared to the yeah. hustlers in India. India, they'll follow you for 10 blocks. Yeah, you know, their, their whole strategy is I'm just going to bother you until yeah. you're relentless until you just give up. You yeah, it's, it, you, you kind of get hardened, hardened. Like you just have to. You, like, you have to, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you go crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't just you can't just give money. You can't. You really can't give money to anyone because if you do, other people see that, and now you have a whole yeah. horde of people yeah. following. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so now you're a mark. Seriously. Now, now you have yeah. a, like, an entourage you don't want. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you look like that scene from Ali when he was like going to fight the thriller. <laughs> but it's like, no, not follow me because I'm a celebrity. It's like they want money, man. It's not the same yeah. thing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Crazy. Well. <laughs> I got a funny story from India. So I got to India from Lebanon. By the way, you never you want to go to India with like your stomach being as bulletproof as possible. <laughs> so Mike has told me. It's, it's I've impossible. Heard. Yeah, it's impossible to get out of India without diarrhea. I, I'm convinced that, that diarrhea was invented. In India. <laughs> I bet the first case of diarrhea in human history came out of India. <laughs> I, I, Okay, you just confirmed everything Mike's ever told me, man. <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever want to start a fast, that's the time. <laughs> so, there so there we, are times you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm starving, but I'm just going to fast it out. <laughs> that's that's probably like the number one strategy. If you can deal with hunger effectively, that's your number one option. Just don't. You go to a street venture, man, vendor, you might as well just, you know, you might as well just say, hey. Thanks for the uh, diarrhea before you take the first flight. <laughs> all, the, all those food fasts for political reasons in India are just really people not wanting diarrhea. <laughs> I'm on a hunger strike. No, you're not. You just don't want to have the runs, man. Come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so true. <laughs> yeah, so I had actually gotten a stomach bug in Lebanon and from a home-cooked meal. So it just caught everyone off guard. So it wasn't street food. It wasn't anything like we bought the ingredients and made the food ourselves. So it just caught everyone by surprise. But, you know. 
now I've got diarrhea. I've got all this stuff going on in my stomach and I have a flight to India the next day. And I'm like, okay, this just sucks. <laughs> so I go to, I'm trying to go. So I'm landing in Delhi and I'm like, I'm just going to take the first four days to just do nothing except recover. And I told you that all these stories that we get are just random happenstance. Like I arrive in my hostel in Delhi and within 30 seconds of someone sitting across from me, I hear a conversation about a guy that is walking 10,000 miles. He's walking 10,000 miles from Cardiff, Wales to Cardiff, New South Wales in Australia. So from yeah. from from the UK to Australia and he's three and a half years into it and he happens to pull up into the hostel that I'm at and I just like I just sit up and I'm like dude I have to film you now so we ended up <laughs> filming his story he's been I saw walking. that episode that was a great episode yeah like it's amazing what motivates and inspires people and he was walking for water you know walking for water change so he mm -hmm. he's trying to spread awareness on that and he found something that he's passionate about you know something that guides his dream his happiness and you know, one of the things that if you want, if anyone watches the episode, they'll hear that he's like, you know, what? if a gun is ever pointed at my head, I'm going to turn right back around and go home. And uh, and that happened to him every single day that he was in Afghanistan, just a machine oh, gun just in his head, like being around tanks. And I'm like, wow, like, that's crazy. He's like, you know what? You adapt, you evolve and you just you whatever life is giving you in the moment, you just kind of say, yep. And you keep pushing through. And like when he told me that, I'm like, yeah, I guess that is how you get through a long trip like of your magnitude it made me feel like i've been traveling i've been traveling for nearly a year at that point and i'm like man i'm using like trains and buses and flight <laughs> flights and he's just walking the whole time and he's been on the road for three and a half years camping on the side of the road like in hills and i'm like man i'm a, i'm a pussy compared to you man <laughs> and he's going from the uk to australia so he's gonna walk across water at some point uh yeah. oh so you so you met jesus <laughs> <laughs> This guy, this guy really is a bitch. No one, he, was, he wasn't afraid of machine guns being in his face. Like, dude, I got this. I'll call my father and end this right now. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> I just hope he doesn't get mistaken for a refugee. In <laughs> no, I think I think the only time, like, yeah, he'll. I think he'll take a boat from, uh, I think, Indonesia to Australia. I think the best. Probably going to be a rowboat. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing this trip <laughs> but, but, but hey but to counteract he's just going to be walking back and forth on the boat I was just thinking the same thing like he's, he's got his Fitbit on and he's trying to get his steps in <laughs> uh, if he does that that's the extra mile I literally but you know what Luke you do meet some really interesting people if you stay in hostels now I'm not going to say that I do that I travel first class so I'm not going to say that I do that but when I was much younger I did that a few times and you, that, if you want to go to a country and actually meet some interesting people to hang out with that's how it's going to happen it's not going to happen at the Ritz Carlton you know in the, in the cigar lounge downstairs you know it's going to happen in those hostels Oh, dude, back. I think um, how you like where you accommodate, where you pick your accommodation, how you're doing it depends on the country. To be honest, like yeah, I used yeah. I used everything from hotels, and I even stayed in five star hotels that allowed me to stay there for free. Asterisk, but um, like mm -hmm. couch couch surfing and hostels were probably the deepest and most local experiences I had. Right. And sometimes, even though couch surfing is technically free and hostels you have to pay for, sometimes it's cheaper and more relaxing to go to a hostel where you're paying a really low cost to just chill out. Whereas couch surfing, you do have to be a good guest. You have to be open to receiving and be willing to receive what the host is giving you in terms of time, attention, guiding, food, because hosts around the world that can't travel, they want to show people their country because it's their way of sharing and their way of traveling in a way. Right. And um, 
some of the deepest experiences I had were, were because of couch surfing. And, you know, you're tired and you're like beat down from traveling. But you if you like if you say, you know what? forget it. I'm just going to go with the flow of this. It ends up being this amazing, enlightening experience. So I can't say enough about organizations like couch surfing. And then, I mean, hostels, yeah, that's the obvious choice for backpacking and just crazy adventures. But couch surfing is something people should be less scared of and much more open to. Is there a website for that? How did you find yeah. out about that? So couchsurfing.org or couchsurfing.com, I think both work at this point. It was a, it's been around for years, so mm-hmm. I've had a profile on it for years, and I never really used it. But it's a network of millions. I mean, I do mean millions of of hosts and travelers that pretty much say, "Hey, I've got a couch, come crash with me," or yeah. "Hey, I'm looking for a couch who can house me for a few nights." And you know, just like every other experience in life, it's hit and miss. Sometimes you get a host that's amazing. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get a you know, as a host, sometimes you get a traveler that's amazing, sometimes you don't. But it's not about that. It's about just just being open to whatever that new experience is. Yeah. And it's it's an, it's absolutely an amazing, amazing community. And it, it was it, it was a bit easier for me for a I'm not a single solo female. So it's a bit different traveling yeah. when you're a single solo female. <laughs> right. You got to You just have to have your guard up. Not not that you're going to be hurt or something's going to happen. You just have to be a little more cautious and, um, you know, go through your system of checks and balances where you look at the person's profile, look how many references they have, look how right. many photos they have. And it's a gut feeling like, yeah, this person looks like a genuinely good person. He's got good reviews. You know, doesn't look like a sleazeball. Let's go. Um, you don't want to end up in a situation like the hostile movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's what people are scared of. People are yeah. so scared of that. <laughs> Hell, if that movie doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. Yeah, Watch yeah. that movie, you're like, nah, I don't think I'm going to stay in a hostel ever. <laughs> the crazy part is, though, that the hostels now have the amenities that hotels have. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. They're, they're much like, nicer than they used to be, no doubt about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. And the only thing that, like, if you want to be, if you want privacy, definitely go to a hotel. If you want to be looked after, definitely go to a hotel. But if you're looking for like a comfortable bed, a community room, and a kitchen, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, the, the, the hostel in Santa Monica is nicer than a lot of the hotels there. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, now at this point, hostels have private rooms too. Just don't expect right. like. So it's very much like it's very much like Air, Airbnb, mm. kind of like yeah, right along those lines, right? Yeah, except yeah, exactly. You know except, what? You're except, right. except nowhere is nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you get a nice, get a couple, you get a couple good meals. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nice room. <laughs> like the poor man's version of that. <laughs> yeah. so, it's it's. I mean, but you get everything, man. Like I couch surf sleeping on wooden floors, sleeping on tiny couches meant for like seven year olds, and then you know you get couch surfing experiences where I'm staying on like a top floor loft. And you're in you're Shank, a tall guy. Right? What are you? What are you? Six four, Luke? I mean, you're a tall six, guy. Too. Yeah, six five. So you just kind of learn to sleep in a fetal position, <laughs> <laughs> looking like Shaq in a day you, bed, I man. Ja- I don't know if you went to Japan, but you're probably just crouching down the whole time. They, know, they probably around. did you go to Japan? Because I'm pretty sure they would have loved you, man. I remember our friend John Buckley going over there. They just yeah, yeah, they yeah. just they just look at him like he's Godzilla, but just, just in human form. <laughs> People just wanted to take photos with him, exactly. Just because. And pick me up, pick me up, <laughs> take a picture. I I fell in love with Japan. I mean, <laughs> so, like first of all, it, it doesn't even look like a real city it looks like a model of a city like someone tokyo or, yeah yeah tokyo tokyo yeah. and yokohama 
and it just looks it's so <laughs> fucking it's just clean it's so fucking clean it's yeah, unbelievable it's it doesn't look real it doesn't look real at all it's so clean like at night is, is when it stands out the most because you've got mm-hmm. these traffic lights and it's lighting up these perfect streets i'm like where's the trash where are the where's where's the empty like plastic and trash bags where are the crackheads where are the hookers everywhere. you know yeah <laughs> well, that's amsterdam man wrong place yeah, they're, they're, they're there but they're not obvious exactly <laughs> you hear that vegas <laughs> unlike dubai where they're there and they're obvious <laughs> yeah because they're posting on instagram i got nowhere to find them <laughs> oh, even even in tokyo you're gonna get it's the obvious street quarters you go to the okay. you go to the places where it looks like downtown new york with all the skyscrapers and lights yeah. and people mm-hmm. if they see a white guy they're just walking up to him hey you want a massage hey you want a massage like, <laughs> you're just getting targeted like massage, hold on wink wink yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> one thing like, i will well, say why well, yes i do your middle looks a little sore okay <laughs> <laughs> i remember people being really friendly in tokyo as well when i was a kid i remember i was there with my brother and my mom i was probably seven years old and some some guy just random guy just came up to us and gave us some ice cream cones yeah it's it's uh it's an amazing culture i mean to be fair to every culture i was in there wasn't a single culture that wasn't open kind giving and generous i mean i'm a i'm a bit biased because people knew i was filming them and so it's a good propaganda hey this guy yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> second the camera goes off get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah so I was really lucky to be traveling the way I was because people were so just open and giving and yeah. just even even strangers like people like walked took went out of their way and you didn't you wouldn't expect it in Japan where everyone's supposedly and stereotypically very regimented you know going somewhere and not stopping for anything but I'm like hey I'm kind of lost can you help me out and they'd like walk with me half the way and say okay now just continue on that way so it was I found Rotterdam <laughs> to be like that too I would just ask someone for directions and they're walking you down the street you know oh. taking you to the location. I loved Rotterdam. Yeah, I, I like it, it too. It's a really nice, low key city. Mm-hmm. I, I find it to be a, like the 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 modernness that it has is a bit. It's a bit more modern than Amsterdam, right? And right. Uh, it's still finding its culture and finding its way, and it doesn't have that just flood of tourism. So it's still it still feels really welcoming and homey Com- compared to Amsterdam. I like the both, but Rotterdam, I could live in Rotterdam. Yeah, people are way more friendly in Rotterdam. Amsterdam, my experience was people were fairly rude there. I would be at a coffee shop, and you'd be there for 20 minutes, and some guy would come over and point at his watch. <laughs> you know, like, time for you to go, basically, is what he said. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you walk into a store, what do you want? Yeah, <laughs> like, what I want is some good customer service. I remember I was in the airport, and I was looking at a magazine. This lady who works there comes up to me, and she goes, this is not a library. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, because you're loud and rude. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, it's also not a place where I'm not where I'm going to buy anything. <laughs> I was about to buy this magazine until you said that. <laughs> but but Rotterdam was the exact opposite of that. So that was that was my experience as well. Now here's one thing, Luke. I'm really curious in if you found there was a correlation between really tight knit communities and health. Yeah, I mean. The strength of the community, especially this in metropolitan, I tried to get a little bit of everything. So I was in cities where the community is kind of irrelevant. And then I went to tiny villages like in Fiji and um, in Ethiopia, like I mentioned. And even in um, Palestine, I went to a small farm that really is a, a small community. And it, it people lean on each other for support. And it's such an important aspect of um, the way they live and the way they survive. But I have to say that 
as long as they're it's it's correlated to if they're sticking to the traditional values if they're allowing if they're allowing the the modern times and the modern ways of living and technology and individuality and kind of consumerism and materialism to start infiltrating the community it yeah. starts crumbling a little bit because then the 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 success and the value of the individual becomes um, prioritized over the community as a whole right. and they, yeah. and you start having little gives and takes whereas sometimes full like pers- like what what um whether it was like full contribution to this community project now you only have to contribute half of what you used to so it's becoming more and more independent and self-reliant family unit relying only on the family unit and um it's a bit sad because it's kind of signals the beginning of the end when you when you start saying okay well you know my image and my instagram or whatever you know even these tiny things that that highlight the individual when that starts taking priority to the the whole. Yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of like a, okay, well, here it comes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that seems to be a universal phenomenon because <clears throat> I'm because I remember reading this book Outliers and mm-hmm. in the very first chapter he talks about this small town in Italy. Yeah, where everyone was really healthy, right? And they did all the blood markers of their cholesterol, their heart health, etc., and they just thought for sure it had to be something to do with their diet. And it turned out their diet, by a lot of standards, wasn't all that healthy. Super high fat, a lot of carbohydrate, a lot of pasta, things like that. And it turns out that it was more that strong community knit focus mm-hmm. is why people were so healthy there. So if someone is depressed, the whole community is going to help this individual out. Yeah. If someone's having financial trouble, everyone on the street is going to help that person out. Yep. So exactly. you never, you never really felt like the burden of your life was. On All your on you. Completely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that would make a lot of people uncomfortable. Like me, that would, that would make <laughs> us uncomfortable to feel like, yeah, I'm going to just ask strangers for help. Like it's such a foreign concept for people nowadays to ask for help that it puts them in a really uncomfortable situation to accept help, to be open to receiving it. It's no wonder. Like it's such well, a foreign also, concept. The problem is a lot of times we think it's a scam too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going, oh, I need help with this. And, exactly. and we're, we're just like, okay, you scam artist. What, yeah. what's, the, what, what's, what's the take here? What are you trying to do? But on the flip side of that, we're in this culture where, you know, we're, where it's this this gift, this prize of being a self-made man. Like, I did this all by myself. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, like, it's like, did you create that, then buy it yourself? And then I'm like, what, what do you mean you did it by yourself, dude? You, you're not a self-made man. You know, so, Luke, I got to ask you this, though, man. You're not even self-made, literally. Exactly. So if that's the case, I mean, there'd be a lot of self-made men running around here with some of these guys who have a lot of time on their hands, literally. <laughs> hey, Luke, I got to ask you this. Talk about being uncomfortable. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was watching. Um, I was watching uh, No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain, and he was in. He was in Ethiopia with Marcus Marcus Samuelson, the the, the well known chef. Because Marcus is originally Ethiopian, but you know, due to the war that was going on, all that he had to leave, and he ended up being adopted by a Swedish family and whatnot. So he's been trying to go back and really get in touch with his culture. And so one of the things that I saw in there that kind of made um, <laughs> Anthony Bourdain like very uncomfortable was like, you know, as a way of showing love is when you eat and have the feast in Ethiopia, you know, your guests will take the food and they'll put it in your mouth. They'll feed you. And uh, I was wondering if when you were in Ethiopia, did they do that with you as well? Um, yep. That's a, that's a, that's a tradition. Like, yeah. They, they, they cook this in bread. In Oh my gosh, dude. So in, it's the best. bread is delicious. Oh my gosh. After three days, your stomach is like, I can't eat. Oh, you're pregnant, man. You're going to have like a yeah, bread yeah, baby, exactly. man. I mean, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's exactly right. Because there's so much like yeast or something in it. Yeah. It just makes your stomach Well, go, you got to get full, man. <laughs> you yeah, can't yeah. sit there and can't be so just a bunch of protein and then be hungry five, ten minutes later. They're like, no, we don't have time for that. You know, we need to fill you up yeah. now. They remember the 
famine crisis of the 70s and 80s. They're like, we're not trying to go back to that. They just got out of that, uh, you know? <laughs> so that means you had Tibbs, right? Did you have Tibbs there? Oh, man. No, I didn't go there yet, but trust me, that is like, that is my list of places to go next year in 2016. Yeah. That is at the top of my list. That and to my, well, Kenya was up there too, but, you know, talking to Mike, I think I might bump it down about four or five notches. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kenya's definitely worth going to, especially, just, oh, yeah. especially the game parks out there. Yeah. Because yep. are at National Park. That is something everyone should try to get to because that's yeah. that's an amazing experience so yeah. kenya is definitely worth going to uganda is definitely worth going to if 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 anyone can do the gorilla trek i would yeah. highly recommend it those those are the two things that really stick out to me and yeah. um in uganda right it's about an hour away from kampala is, right um, yeah you can whitewater raft on the Nile. oh yeah that's amazing <laughs> And uh, they're grade five rapids, so the biggest possible rapids you can pretty much find Jeez. on a commercial like adventure like this. Except the water's so deep that there's really no risk of hurting yourself or hitting anything. So you were gar- just, you're just guaranteed drowning. to just drowning, you know, and not knowing, you know, how far down you're gonna go, you know, just He's that little down thing. No biggie. I'd be, no more biggie. About the, I'd be more worried about the microbes. They tell you like, all right, oh, and yeah. take this take this antibiotic in six months just to make sure you don't yeah, get this no. thing that, that acts <laughs> right. up in six months. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> that, that's but, the thing. You have to take antibiotics before you go to a lot of these countries, and that's not the time to be on Mr. Natural and try to yeah. just take no a, vaccines. A you know, vaccine. <laughs> yeah. You know, the vaccinophobe. That's, that's not the time, bro. Reagan's not going to cut. It. <laughs> that's the time. Take the medicine. Saint John's Wort. Like, yeah, you're getting lavender oil. <laughs> no, it's fine. You know what, though? It's, you know, there's there there's definitely risks for diseases in African countries. You know, you talk about that. There's this big scare. I had to get all these vaccines and stuff. But when I got there, so much of it is media sensationalism, oh, yeah. and That's like like they talk about mal- like they talk about malaria like it's a cold or a flu. And the reason why it's such a huge killer is because. They don't have access to medical treatment or they don't want medical tre- Western medical treatment. So that's why Which they die because it's either they can't afford or they don't trust the people providing the care. But when I was hanging out with a bunch of Ugandans, one of the people in my group, one of the Ugandans got malaria. And she's like, oh, yeah, I got to go get medication. I'll see you this afternoon. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, it's, it's just not that serious of an issue to them because they just go get tested. They get the medication and it's curable and they move on. The, the only thing that's there's a specific type of malaria they have to test for to make sure it's not that one. But that one's more rare. It's like I'm not 100 percent certain if I remember correctly, but it's like malaria in the brain or something. Yeah. But if it's any kind of other malaria, it's just like, oh, yeah, I just got a really shitty flu and I'm going to get past it with some medication and move on and move forward. Whereas over here, you get a cold, you want to take off. Oh, I got to take five sick days, man, to get over this cold. Or to my, I drank too much over the weekend, I got a stomach bug. Like, no, you got the vodka bug, man. But like, yeah. I can't go to work for the next three days. How do you know that? To my, and now, all of a sudden, you're a fortune teller. You just know that. Like, oh, this is going to be about a three-dayer here, man. I don't know. So, <laughs> it's funny that you said that, you know, the media plays this, this this big role in saying that all these diseases are over in Africa. It's just like, to my, one of the places you got to really worry about all the diseases are right here in freaking America. You know, they don't want to talk about that. I'm just like, come on, man. It's just so many things out there now and and with all the antibiotics and all the drugs that people just take every day just because they're so afraid of catching something you know all these diseases have like built themselves up you know to be immune to that stuff like dude we're probably more at risk over here than going over in africa man because you know we got super bugs over here which is a funny name right there's like all of a sudden now they're mutants you know so i absolutely agree like let's put it like I traveled for 13 months and I got sick once and that wasn't even being sick. I ate a raw meat dish in Ethiopia. I'd eaten raw meat plenty of times, but I ate a raw meat dish at a place that I didn't know I was eating raw meat and I wouldn't have ordered it there. Right. And I had a bug for um, I had a bug for about a, two weeks and I 
didn't take any antibiotics. It got past it. Then in Lebanon, mm-hmm. the one I got from that homemade meal, mm-hmm. I took antibiotics because I didn't want to. I didn't want to be sick in India. But other than those two stomach bugs from mm-hmm. food, I didn't get any. I didn't catch anything. I was healthy. I didn't take any drugs or any medication. I come back to New Zealand, and I'm like coughing and sneezing within like 24 hours of being here, <laughs> partly from the cold weather. But it, it really, it really is. You can't just like typecast a place as, oh, you're going to get sick there because it's just not true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think your show is good at helping people break through fears, right? Some people have a yeah. lot of trepidation about traveling and they'll mm-hmm. watch your show. And I think it'll help alleviate that quite a bit. That was definitely my goal. It's like, how do, how do you promote open-mindedness and acceptance and dialogue and conversation rather than fear and angry debate and yelling and, you know, <laughs> right. like pounding your chest like your way is the only way. It's just not the way it works. I can't emphasize the importance of traveling enough because so many people I know who forget about having never being out of America. A lot of them haven't even been to the West Coast. You know, people who grew up in the East Coast. Some, some people some haven't even been out of their, their own, own borough. State. Yeah, or yeah, even out of their own borough. Just like I stay in Brooklyn. But, but they, but <laughs> they often talk about the world as if they've seen it. I yeah, that old yeah. Term, like, oh, here's what's going on over there. It's like, well, have you been over there? Nope. No. <laughs> then well, you don't I, know what's going on over there. I saw it on yeah, the news. Facebook told me. Well, you know, you tell me. Well, you know what they say. They said that you know it's yeah. dangerous over there. Who the f is yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> they have a lot to say. Those <laughs> they need to shut the fuck up sometimes. Because <laughs> <you know? laughs> they don't want you to know that people are actually nice. Like everyone's yeah. so fucking nice. It's unreal. So my, yeah. You can't sell nice though in all these media outlets. Uh, you know, you got to sell no, the fear, you, man. Nobody wants to. Yeah. Watch nice. Come on. <laughs> I think that's why I'm really on, humans being nice on the travel channel. <laughs> well, what's cool about your show is that it shows the power of DIY, right? You just mm-hmm. came up with this idea. Now, you you self financed this, Luke, or did you have some help? Um, I did some crowdsourcing. I got some corporate sponsors, and without the like, I was finding as many creative ways to fund it as possible. I definitely mm-hmm. went through. I went through 110 percent of my life savings to do it, and I don't <laughs> regret it. And um, I got crowdsourcing and and one way that people contributed without like really having to contribute money because every contribution helps was a lot of people donated airline miles. So a lot of my flights were free and even uh, all of my first class experiences were booked with miles and they were they were free and given to me by people that had excess miles, airline miles, like they didn't want to use them or didn't need to use them. So cool. like this, the, the, the trip was definitely a community effort. But but yeah, I'm you know I've always been a fan of DIY. So I taught myself how to film. I taught myself how to edit, and I did everything from start to finish for every episode. And I did it while traveling on the road. Plus, I mean, you worked the streets for a month in Bangkok. That's I have a I have a my profile on Tinder. <laughs> on Hinder. <laughs> Get a couple pornos in Japan. We know you like those tall white guys. <laughs> Got recruited right off the streets in Tokyo. <laughs> that's, that, that's why I said crowdfunding. Man. <laughs> Crowd and fun. First class combinations. Crowd fun and ding. What what, uh, what old countries did you visit in Africa? You went to Uganda. You went to Kenya. You went to Ethiopia. Where else did you go? So I started in a – I'll actually tell you the country and the person or story that I filmed there just because you'll see the wide variety of things that I did uh, within each country or what you could find. Sure. I, la- I landed in South Africa in Johannesburg, you know, rumored mm-hmm. to be like if you land, you'll get shot in the you're head. Just, yeah. You're going to get carjacked. Well, I'm not in the car yet, man. What are you talking I got, about? I, I got ripped off by someone trying to give me some free advice on where to go in the terminal, which ended up me having to pay him. <laughs> that was the full extent of my dangerous experience in yeah. Johannesburg. So it was a learning experience. 
bike now. You yeah, can yeah absolutely. <laughs> you don't talk to anyone in an airport that's offering help ever. That's like a general rule. Or you don't you don't go with the first taxi yeah, driver. I mean, you, you, could, no. you could use that advice in the streets of New Orleans as yeah, well. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. It doesn't matter, yeah. So I, I got to Johannesburg and I, I filmed a girl called um, her her she goes by Girl with Cake so that's her worldwide name if you go to girlwithcake.com or something um, that's her name and she bakes cake. So I'm, like, I'm sitting thinking like cake or cakes because I'm like are we using the herbal colloquialism of what cakes I'm like okay I'm gonna have to look this girl up hold on man got those cakes like baby two girls one cup. But <laughs> Oh, 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 come on, man. <laughs> so, so she bakes cakes for homeless and poverty-stricken individuals all over Johannesburg. So she'll find someone per- that personally touches her, whether it be someone in the street or she'll hear a story about someone that needs help. And yeah. she bakes personalized cakes and delivers it to them one at a time. So, And she films it. Well, I filmed it. She usually takes photos, writes articles about their stories because she wants to show people that it doesn't matter like what you do. Like giving someone a sugar sugar like full cake isn't the most healthy thing you can do but it's such an act of kindness and it's such an act of love that these people are not used to and to see their reactions like everyone was in tears when i was filming like what was going on i was just like wow this is an incredible story so so you get something like that in johannesburg i went to cape town and went diving with great white sharks which was quite the experience then i went up to tanzania and went up kilimanjaro which is awesome and you know fitness has nothing to do with it it's just how you uh, adapt and acclimate to altitude so it's yeah. pretty much hit and miss and you don't know how you'll adapt to it until you get there yep. and then um i went to um kenya next i went to mombasa where i filmed at a place called bambalulu where they only employ um disabled people so it was incredible to see um and i still have a leather leather belt that it was made by one of the workers i interviewed him and to talk about his story of finding purpose finding meaning and this place gave him and his family housing food jobs and education everything they needed and it's just this incredible organization and they ship you know they ship their products worldwide so it's a global organization mm-hmm. Um, from there, I went up to uh, Uganda, where I filmed an artist and a contemporary African dancer, then went into Ethiopia and filmed, you've heard of Bakoji, that small village where all those ultra marathoners come out of? Yeah. <laughs> so I filmed over there, and then I filmed a, a skate park for underprivileged children in um, Addis, Adab- Addis Ababa. Yeah, I saw that. They, they talked about that as well, because um, that's like a new phenomenon for them over there right now. It's really growing, is the skate it's, community. And, you know, it was just funny, because even Anthony Bourdain was sitting there like, you know, man, I don't... He's looking at Marcus Samuelson like, you know, the thing you guys might want to do is open up a skate, you know, a skate shop and really like, you know, take this to the next level because those kids are really into it. It just it just kind of happened by accident. You know, yeah, just and I would say it's I would say it's because of this one guy is yeah. the Janie. He's doing it like yeah. single handedly making it popular in Ethiopia and he's doing it like really big. He took a, he took this tiny little plot of land, turned it into a skate park. And he's like, you know what? That's not enough. He's putting a computer lab in it. He's mm-hmm. trying to give these kids opportunities. They've got these cool activities where they have to go help a stranger, one stranger once a week. Like hmm. it's really about the message and they're just trying to find different ways to deliver that message. Yeah, definitely. Man. Yeah, it's, it's, now here's the question, man. I saw that, um, 
I saw on your Instagram, man, that you actually went to a Kung Fu school, a Shaolin Kung Fu school while you were in uh, China. And, you know, you got all these martial artists or, you know, all these people like, oh, martial arts, this, that, and the other. But, like, dude, you just pretty much done something like most of those guys dream about is going to train in there. You know, I'm seeing you going down the steps, man, pulling a John Hines almost, you know, freaking out doing the push-ups and all that down the steps, man. I was like, wow. Because even I was kind of like, okay, I want to do that. So, you know, what was that like, man, you know, to be with those Kung Fu masters, man? I have to be completely honest. If I did not have a child, I would have stayed at that school for months. And wow. that's the God honest truth. It was so nice to be because I played football where it's like a strict regimented schedule and you got to come to practice and do your thing. Right. At that Kung Fu school, it's all about maximizing the potential of your mind and body. So three right. times a day is set two hour trainings. They feed you good food and like it's 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 a like this insulated environment where it's nothing but support and you know that you can push your body because you're safe and you're that everyone's pushing you to do it it's just amazing whereas like you try any of that somewhere else and like there's too many naysayers but that is just such an amazing environment to train and they've got students from all over the world there was at least a dozen countries represented with the 30 something something people there Right. And like, oh, yeah, like you can chop a brick with your hand. I'm like, no, I can't. And like, they teach you how to do it. Like, and I freaking chopped a brick. It was like, I never thought I'd be able to do that. And um, it was nice because after, you know, that was actually towards the end, your body's disintegrated from all the traveling because traveling right. takes a toll. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I wonder if I can survive this. And it was so nice to feel that level of soreness, but then just to work through it and just keep pushing yourself. Yeah, it's a, it's it's awesome. I'm sure Prince is, li Prince, Prince is listening right now. You know, he's geeking out right now because he's thinking like, wait a minute. First of all, you know, I don't have any kids. I don't have a wife. I, to my, yo, man, to my, I'm going to go make this happen. Well, <laughs> so, it's, it's such a good life. There's so many people there that, that went there just for like, hey, I had no idea what I want to do with my life. So I came here for a change to hmm. and it's like really nice because yeah. it actually welcomes new change into your life because you're allowed to clear your mind. You're allowed to just let new stuff come out of you rather than like being surrounded by too many uh, too many distractions at home so you go somewhere to just really focus on your body and your mind it's nice exactly. and when i say prince people i'm talking about uh one of our listeners prince bell not prince rogers <laughs> nelson the, the, also known as the artist no not that guy <laughs> yeah i thought you meant him too I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know prince <laughs> <laughs> i don't see the connection <laughs> yeah i had to clarify that i don't be like wow prince is in the kung fu <laughs> <laughs> how would someone if this is something you pay for you have to get yeah, invited how, to how, how would someone go yeah, about how's the access to that yeah because yeah, exactly. it seems like from the media this is something that you know only a chosen few are allowed to have access to so yeah, they're really it's it's about the lessons like they they meet you where you're where you're at like they meet you where you're physically capable where you're mentally capable and they take you from there some you know some people go there to want to be shaolin masters and they uh, train anyone, them anyone can just show up for this or you have to you have to you pay have to be a part of it how does how does that yes. work so, so it's an application process, and I'm sure that they look at a multitude of variables, but you pay a tuition. So it's like going to school. So you mm -hmm. live there, right. and they feed you. They, they give you a bed. They give you everything you need to survive. And like whatever luxuries you want, you're allowed to add to your room if you really need them. But they're pretty strict on like not having too comfortable of a bed. You know, They, they really want to stick to some of the basic tenets within the – the Shaolin art. Uh, kind of a Spartan experience, right? Yeah. You're, you're not going to be exactly. staying in some luxurious mattress. You want to have this kind of rustic lifestyle to maximize mm -hmm. the potential. 
Yeah, it's the Chufu Shaolin Kung Fu School. So Chufu is spelled Q-U-F-U. It's where Confucius was born. So it's mm. pretty. It's, it's like two hours north of Shanghai, but it's a really nice place. It really is. Yeah, that would always be an interesting experience. To, even to, not not necessarily even just kung fu, but just whatever the physical goals you have, where you could just focus entirely on that for let's say three months and see how much progress you can make. I think I think I think it would be quite amazing how much progress you would make in that time frame. Yep, and that's what people that's what people go there. They go there for three or six month plans, and they either get what they want. Or they're like, you know what? I love this so much, and I'm going to sign on for more. So there are people yeah. there that were supposed to be for three months, and they stayed for two years right. because it's it's so um, amazing to see how much change can happen within your body and mind within such a small amount of time. Yeah, yeah. The mental clarity as well. I think we're in such oh. a cluttered environment. I mean, and it's self-chosen too. You don't have to go on Facebook or Instagram or be on the computer all day long or watch TV all night. You don't have to do any of those things, but a lot of people do. And then they yeah. wonder why they're so dissatisfied and don't know what their purpose is. It's right. like, well, how could yeah. you possibly know what your purpose is? You don't even know who is? you are, you know, because yeah, you're, you're constantly <laughs> distracting yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? Like, I take those words to heart for sure because uh, – but most of these people don't even know that it's a choice. It's like they're so conditioned to, <laughs> to, to, to get these like Facebook and all these different distractions because they don't, they don't know how to deal with the discomfort of just sitting the fuck still. Mm-hmm. And, and – um, it's that's one thing that well i think so many people are just so insecure with themselves that they're always looking for this pat on the back whether it's posting pictures all day long or or posting what they're doing you know all day long i worked out today oh great job 50 likes oh 50. now i feel better about myself so, hold on let me Amen. let me let me pull my workout shorts up my ass a little bit oh 500 <laughs> likes there we go i like that I, hell yeah i was one of those likes sincere i was one of those <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we encourage that <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't take this as a, as a way that we don't want you to post them. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I I just recently I recently got um, rid of most of my social media. Actually, I got rid of all of my social media. I've deactivated Facebook. I've deleted Instagram from my phone. And yeah, within I, I like, you and I had an email exchange about that. Yeah, man, like, I got rid of a bunch of stuff. You're like, hey, why did you get rid of that stuff? I'm like, it's a waste of time, man. It's not doing anything useful for my business. Yeah, no, it's right. It's not even doing anything useful for for my life. And I I may go back because Facebook is not evil. Facebook is not bad in and of itself. It's the relationship that people form. with. Yeah, it's all how you use it. Yeah, Yeah, it's how you use it. So I just knew I just, you know, like to be, you know, you have to look yourself in the mirror. Like, hey, this is not healthy for me. And then within like 48 hours, the things that actually matter, the relationships that actually matter, the shit that actually needs my attention just comes to the surface. And then you know how to like live a more fulfilled life because you're doing things that actually require your presence and your attention and your love and your care and your all these things. And it's like amazing how much more fulfilling a day can be when you're not fucking worried about how many likes you have or how many <laughs> shares you have. And um, it, it was a tough it was a tough pill to swallow to say, you know what, Luke, you're doing this for all the wrong reasons. So just get rid of it. And it was surprising how quickly it did just like clear up. It was like taking a f- snow globe and you just stop shaking it. All of a sudden, everything settles very quickly. And then you see reality as it is instead of all this fucking snow in the way. So, <laughs> yeah. When did you make the decision to go down this road? Because I remember, I think the last time I saw you was in Santa Monica in 2012. I was teaching a course out there at Peter Rouse's gym. So when mm-hmm. did the, when did this was this something that was germinating in your mind for a while? Yeah, I had my gym in Santa Monica. I had my wellness studio in Santa Monica, and like 
I loved it. It was a great experience, but there was something, there was an itch inside of me that said that, hey, you need to be out there. You need to be having a broader impact than just working within, with people on the individual level, which side note, now I love working with people on the individual level again. But, um, and this, this plan came to my, to my head like, hey, I would write the book about everything that I've learned about health and happiness during my years as a trainer, nutrition coach, and massage therapist. And now, and then I'll travel around the world with a purpose to show how people are living by these six fundamental things that make people healthy, you know, real food, movement, rest and relaxation, lifelong learning, community and love. And if I show those six things and how people are living by those in a million different ways, I'll be able to travel around the world. And it's funny when the idea first came to my head, it was going to be me traveling alone for two years because I could do that. And then, you know, then you meet the the person that you, you know, you think is the love of your life. And then you have a baby with that person. And then all of a sudden all the plans change. But, you know, life says if you really want this, then go get it. So then you just keep moving along with different variables. And, yeah, the trip definitely changed. Traveling with a baby is difficult. But but it didn't just, but it didn't uh, stop you from going down this path. That's exactly. what I like here because a lot of people have a kid and they now Oh, I got a family, you know, it's easy for it. you. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you still stayed the course even yeah. with that. So I think that's very compelling. I, I try to, you know, I think people don't understand how important it is to keep your word and not to other people, mm, but, to, to, your, but to yourself, yeah, to yourself. Like if you lose confidence in yourself or you keep saying shit that you don't follow through on, you're just going to be insecure and you won't do anything. You'll just be shit scared because you've never followed through on anything you actually said you were going to do. Absolutely. So it was yeah. really important for my own well-being, like to move forward, to know that I can do something if I just say I'm going to do it. So, I, I, you know, you try to be careful with what you say you're going to do to the public. Exactly. <laughs> my attitude is don't say anything to the public. Public until, until you're at least on the path. Yeah, get it yeah. started first. You know, you know. Yeah, talk about how it was done. But then it's funny because right, as soon as right. you do it, as soon as you do it, it, it's not that it loses its importance, but it becomes a gift to yourself, and you don't have a need to talk about it. The need to talk about it is almost like ego gratification and validation. Definitely. But when you actually, but when you actually do it and you feel the deep fulfillment in accomplishing it yourself, you don't need to be spreading the word to everybody. You're like, hey, you know what? I just fucking did this, and I'm. Great. Let's move right. forward now. But usually you don't, have, you don't have to voluntarily do it. It's usually people ask, hey, man, I see you doing this. How, you know, how'd you get started yeah. with that? You know, they're asking because yeah, you, you're too busy in the process of doing it. Like, excuse me, what? Yeah. You didn't even notice they were standing there watching. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even see you there. I was too busy doing what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but how'd you do it? Oh, OK. Well, I, I got a few seconds, man, but I got to get back to yeah. it. So yeah. you get annoyed talking. About it. Exactly. Like, like yeah, tell the story again. Asking, people even <laughs> asking that question. That's another way to delay action. Right. <laughs> right. So now they're now they're waiting for Luke to respond and give them this detailed. Attention. You didn't have that, Luke. You figured it out. That's how you, no, fucking you did it. That's exactly. Figure shit help. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You just take the first step because as soon as you take the first step, shit just falls into place. I didn't have the money to do it. Like so much help came along the way. You just fucking figure it out as you go. Every problem, every day is a new problem and you have to figure out a new solution for it. And to like land in a country with four days there with absolutely no idea who you're going to film, what you're going to find. Like it's crazy how we found people. Like sometimes it was the hostel owner's best friend. Sometimes it was like it's just random. It's always random. Well, there's a there's a line in one of my favorite books of all time, Think and Grow Rich, right? Mm-hmm. Where it says, the world has a way of making room for a man who knows exactly what he wants. Right. And this can be applied to you ladies as well. I'm sure you, I'm sure if you revise the book now, who say man and woman. <laughs> but anyway, it's like when you have that certainty in your mind of what you're actually trying to achieve, it's kind of funny how things just start, like these coincidences start happening <laughs> exactly. frequently. Yeah, and it, it starts with a faith in yourself. Yep. That's where it starts. So we talk about keeping your word. If you can just start like on a daily basis, like make an easy ass to do. It's like eat lunch 
wake up, brush your teeth, like go through like three things that you know you're going to do and say, if I do these basic things, my day will be fulfilled. And you just start building trust in yourself. It's a process, you know, like uh, if you ask someone, okay, now plan a trip around the world. That's just crazy. But this started, <laughs> this, yeah. this started, this started years ago. The ability to think years ahead or months ahead or plan an entire project like this ahead in your own head. It takes time and it starts with the small projects before you can like tackle something of this magnitude. Yeah, that's that's a good point right there as well. You take the f- simple steps. So you travel yeah. around the world. The first step may be to just go anywhere out of the country, Canada, Mexico, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah. you get on a, a flight. You go to Costa Rica. You go to UK. You know something fairly safe mm-hmm. and familiar. Yeah. And then you start yeah. branching out from there. Yeah, and don't book anything or book with a couch surfer and leave your plans open to whatever that person wants to do. You just have to like teach yourself how to be okay in uncomfortable situations because mm-hmm. there is no way. It's like traveling is living life on fast forward because you're going to get every experience under the sun in a quick amount of time because you're not in your routine. You're not comfortable. Right. Right. So you're just, you've got this exposure, your soul, everything is being exposed to just everything. Yep. It, se- it seems like people want this step-by-step process and how oh. to achieve something. Otherwise, they don't want to do it. So they, they go to success seminars or self-help seminars, and if they don't have this clearly delineated path for them, they don't want to do it. Well, here's and, the and thing. it's such a dipshit way to live your but life. But it started it started in grade school, though, because, I mean, everything – a lot of times creativity is not encouraged. Okay, everything is like, no, this is the lesson. This is the syllabus. This is how we're going to do this this semester. We're going to start here. We're going to start there. We're going to start and We're going to stick to this. So, therefore, we can get these steps done before the end of the year. And you do that for the next 13 freaking years. So, how do you expect – how do you expect someone to change their way of thinking when they've been indoctrinated for 13 years of this step-by-step process? We're going to go from point A to point B. There's no A1, A2, A3, even though we well, did. That, maybe they have to grab the balls between their legs. Exactly. Well, you know, that, and that's and well, that's the up. well. The issue is, you know, stop letting the teachers, you know, who have a, a plan. And I'm not taking anything away from them because they have their job to do. But parents need to stop letting the teachers be the one to raise their kids. You know, you got to show them that alternative when they get back home. Like, okay, you have the step by step plan at school. Okay, now we got the core foundation things you have to do here at home. Clean up your room. Don't talk back to me. I might pop you in the mouth. To my and you know, make up your bed, eat your food, blah blah. And you just you know, make sure you get good grades. But everything else, when it comes to their creativity, you encourage that then because. At school, they a lot of times they don't have time for the children's creativity. You know, that's the thing about it. So that's the thing. Give them the flip side of that. So therefore, it helps them be more open to what's going on outside of those four walls. And so they don't think that life is only bound between four walls. So once they get out of you know grade school, they go to college, four walls. After that, they go get a job, four walls. And then after that, they've missed every damn thing. You know, so that, you know, give them that alternative. They, you know, as a parent, they lose their mind and start shooting people. Exactly, four walls, <laughs> four walls. again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah to my, back to whence you came. <laughs> it's not a pretty sight, and it no. starts so young. Like you've got these kids with these toys. Like I remember growing up, I had a box of Legos with no instructions, no anything. Just here's a big fucking box of blocks. They had a note the that they encouraged you to make your own <laughs> thing. They tell you not to, you know, yeah. to stifle them. And they got to make a house. They said it's the reason why we have Legos so children can create what they want. At least you had a box of Legos. Look, man, I had sticks outside. I had rocks. I had trees to climb. You know what? Like, we play war out in the woods. You know what we use? Pine cones for for grenades. It was a learning experience. Trust me, getting hit with a pine cone. You know, you toughen the fuck up as a kid when you get hit with a pine cone in the face. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> there was, my, my brother was the ultimate with Legos. He watched that cartoon series Voltron. Oh, Voltron! <laughs> he made he made a replica of Voltron that was wow. so good. I'm surprised. If, like if the Lego company saw it, they'd probably want to repackage it. You know? Like it looked exactly like fucking Voltron. I like he just fucking put all this shit together. But that's what Legos do. They encourage exactly like that. Yeah, so man. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But, I, but I, I don't know. I, I think somewhere along the line, though, you have to be an adult and take charge of your life, right? Yeah. You can't be like, well, if it wasn't for school or my parents or this or society. It's like, okay, fine. Those are all the things you had to, to work against. Now fucking take charge of shit and figure out who you want to be and what you want to do and, and then take the steps. Yeah, it's, it's fear, though. They're and just, and that mental, that, it's that mental conditioning, though. That's the one thing yeah, that people exactly. have to get That's over. I mean. Again, you know, it's easy for us because we, we didn't have dipshit, you know, people telling us, like, you can't ever do that. You can't ever do that. And where everyone said that, there was at least one person, yeah, you can fucking do that. But you got to get off yeah. your ass and do it. And then yeah. somebody took that one person, like, wait a minute. You mean I have I have options? You know, whereas right. a lot of people are surrounded by fucking, like I said, there's, like I saw this meme where it says, like, you know, pretty much, you know, try to stay away from negative people because they found a problem for every solution. You know, and there's a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, right now, when I just said that, there's some people thinking, like, oh, shit. Wait a minute. I know that guy. I know that chick. Hell, yeah, I'm that guy. Bring, anytime you bring up something, they'll give you five well, reasons why it's not going to work. Well. It's like, no, it's like, I don't need you in my life, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you, go, you go figure out why shit's not working for you. I'm going to make this stuff work. Bottom line is it comes down to this. Do you want to do it or not? You know, and there it people is. People often have all these things like, oh, it's fear of success. It's fear of failure. It's this. They, it's, they need to have their whys. No, you, you need to pick a goal you actually want to achieve. My, when, you, when you have a goal you actually want to achieve, you're going to find a way to make it happen. And if you don't, it's because you didn't really want to do it. Exactly. Well, people say, like, you know what, well, like, you know, I got to get my stuff together first. Let me tell you something. First of all, guys, <laughs> guys, when it comes to dating and you tell a chick that, like, you know, well, you know, I got to get my shit together. Then, you know, we can we can move forward. She's not going to be there. <laughs> when you come oh, back, because you, you're never going to get your shit together. A lot of women like, like to be fixer-uppers. <laughs> she may find that like irresistible. It's like, oh, shit, I got a new project here. It's you, uh, Billy. <laughs> and there are some like, okay, you go get your shit together. I'm going to go home with my I'm gonna go home with my life, dude. You know, they're going to they're gonna sit there and wait for you. Like, you got to grow up sometime, dude. You know, straight up. Because <laughs> yeah, you're never going to get your shit together if that's the case. You just fucking do it. So... You don't have to be perfect to go after exactly. Father, you, know? you don't have to have all the stars aligned just perfectly <laughs> for you to take that step. Not yet, man. Not yet. I'm almost there. Almost, man. <laughs> yeah, that, I, almost, that almost I, never ends. But that's that fear of making mistakes as well. Like, oh, well, yeah. that means I failed if I made a mistake. No, you didn't make a mistake. You learned. Okay, I hope you, you learned something, you know. My thing is yeah. that you keep repeating it over and over. Yeah, you make a mistake. You're, you're an idiot. Okay, just stop I doing it. I think what it. happens also is that it's, it's really easy for people to live vicariously through others. Like oh, a lot yeah. of people are going to hear this episode and just live vicariously through you, Luke. They're going to be like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Oh, I'd like to do that someday. Hey, man, what's his YouTube page again? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're going to travel all these countries by watching every episode <laughs> on your YouTube page. Hey, man, I've been to Ethiopia. I watched that one show on Luke's page. <laughs> I know everything I need to know about Ethiopia. You know, I'm good now. the stories that Luke mentioned. Like, <laughs> so I was in his, you know, I was sitting there eating Ethiopian food, man, and they started stuffing it in my mouth. Oh, you went to Ethiopia? No, I went to Ethiopian restaurant. <laughs> I was in Brooklyn. What the hell, man? I know an Ethiopian. I know at least one Ethiopian dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so, and, and to a large extent, there's there's an encouragement of that, right? Like people love watching other people pursue their dreams. You know, whether it's American Idol or The Voice, people are watching these shows going, "Oh, that's amazing!" These people are pursuing their dreams. It's like, well, why aren't you pursuing your dream? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, people aren't because to them, their excuses are real. You can't take that away from them. Like they actually feel that they can't do it, but it's because of conditioning. Like you said, sincere. <laughs> it's 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 not even you can't end the conditioning until you become aware of the conditioning that exactly. it actually exists. So until you say, wait a second who the fuck am I to tell myself that I can't do something? And if you start like investigating that, mm -hmm. eventually it loses its power over you. And then you just naturally gravitate towards whatever the hell you want to do. But it's first realizing that that voice in your head isn't you. It's, it's, it's been there because of family, friends, religion, TV, society, everything. marketing, yeah. TV, radio, whatever the fuck you're <laughs> drowning your consciousness with. It's yeah. that. And that's exactly. where that disconnect, like you talk about the Shaolin Temple, that's where it really comes in handy. Just that, just get away with you. But you don't have to go to China and do that. You know, you can do that now. Like we you know, Mike, we talk about that all the time. Just take that disconnect. Just take that, that fast from social media. You know, or do like you guys did. You sit there and just, you know, disconnect your pages and just get away from it for a second. Then you're like, okay, cool. You know, I got some shit done. All right. I might reintroduce one more social media aspect for right now, but not all of them. Cause it's so funny. Like, Hey man, you got a Snapchat page. I'm like, for what? I'm, why, why? I'm like, I'll say, why would I need that? I have an Instagram page. So if I wanted to give a few seconds of video, then there it is. But I don't even really do that. I'm just like, why do I need one more freaking thing to make my head hurt? <laughs> you know, and my, <laughs> I don't have time. Like I get to cheat with Instagram because I can post something and send it to Facebook. Twitter and be yep. done, you know. Yep. I come to Twitter because that's where a lot of our listeners tend to go because they know that's pretty much where they can find us most of the time, you yep. know. Whereas I, I, I just post bomb people on Facebook, like I'll drop something and I'm out, <laughs> you know. Just like yeah, I'm, I'm gonna leave you with this and then I'm out of there. <laughs> so ponder on that or don't. Having some coffee in the backyard. Exactly, and that's usually what they see. And you go through my time, that's what you see. Is like you actually see me living my freaking life. You know, I'm sitting there smoking yeah. a cigar, I'm drinking a drink with my family or whatever. We're all hanging out. You know, I'm at the gun range or something like that. I'm just not sitting there like at the gym taking selfies 50 million times. Like you may see me every now and then see me training just to show like Mike and I say to show that we do train. We don't just talk yeah. shit on a yeah. podcast. Like no, we're after well, doing I mean, it. As fitness professionals, you don't want to have some photo from 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like the Facebook. That's like the the Facebook profile that somebody's posted like their high school prom picture. Like, wait a minute, aren't you fifty? <laughs> hey, dude, you have you have a Jerry curl in that picture, man. I mean, you look like you know NWA right now. So I'm like, plus, plus, as you get older and then you're still hitting PRs and you're still exactly, it's more impressive actually. Than exactly, in my early thirties doing something. So at 42, me doing something and I'm in better, I'm stronger and in better shape than in my early 30s. That's good for business yeah. as well. Because people are like, like that's what, one of the reasons why Steve Maxwell is doing so well as he gets older. Not be, I mean, Steve's a great coach and he's a very good command of the room. But it's also the, the older Steve gets, the more impressive it is that he's still in great shape. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, cool, man. We don't want to hold you up all day. Yeah, I got my little boy, Jack, in the background. He's about to knock through the door. So I'm going <laughs> to go hang out with him. My mental conditioning says I got to spend some time with my little little man. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Appreciate you know, it, man. Where can people find out more about your book and also the show? So the book, Million Ways to Live, is available on Amazon and Kindle as well. So if you want the hard copy of the Kindle version. And then the episodes, all 58, there's two more to go that I'm just editing right now. There's 58 of them up right now at millionwaystolive.com. And every episode is really quick and digestible. They're yeah. five, five minutes long. So you can get through a few each time you want to watch a few or whatever you're curious about. So, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun doing it, but it's good to be done. <laughs> Are you going to take a break now for a while or do you plan to do some more of this or is this project over with now? Um, this project is 
over with technically, but you know, I think it's a fantastic way to travel because it gets me yeah. free accommodation. So if I find a country that I want to go visit, I can probably get free accommodation and free everything taken care of That's and great. bring my son, bring my son along and then film an episode for them. So it really does open the avenues for future potential travel. But as of right now, I'm really rooting down and settling down into New Zealand and fatherhood and um, watching my little dude grow up. What are, you, what are you doing in New Zealand? You have a gym out there? What are, what's your profession right now? So I work with people either remotely or in person for okay. well-being, mm-hmm. wellness coaching and actually a meditation program because, oh, uh, cool. yeah, based on everything that I've learned from all these people around the world is it's like we've been talking about. It's really their own voice in their head that prevents them from getting to where they want to be. Yeah. So so it's there's a million ways to live, but there's only one mind that will fuck you to fuck it all up and it's your own. <laughs> so, true. So, so trying to get people to realize that they're not the voice in their head and and connecting with their body their subconscious mind because your body is your subconscious mind so if you can reconnect to that you can reconnect or change the way you relate to the world and that's really empowering so i'm trying i've been working with people on that and then um actually going back to school i'm getting a master's and on my way to a phd uh the master's is in uh, mental health and addiction and then oh, the phd nice. the phd will be in something mindfulness related because oh, that's great man yeah, so it's really it's a long term route and a long term path here in New Zealand, but it feels like home and it feels right because I got my boy with me. That's great, oh, man. I heard Peter Rouse decided to move to Switzerland after going to your <laughs> meditation course. <laughs> he could finally get some sleep. <laughs> I'm so thankful he's getting some rest. <laughs> one of the most one of the most brilliant minds I've ever come across on planet Earth is Peter. And I'm glad he's found rest and relaxation in a place like Switzerland. It just took the motherfucking Alps to do it. So. Well, and now he's looking for a country with no extradition. That's another story. For another time. There you go. There you go. Hey, man. Thanks a lot. Great talking to you. Really fascinating stuff. Hey, I enjoyed it. And so just keep us up to date with what you're doing. And we'll have Absolutely. you back on down the line. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. And sincere. I'll catch you guys later. Take right, care, bro. Luke. Take care, buddy. Have a good one. Later. That was a great episode, man. Luke is a fascinating guy. I've enjoyed yeah. his series. I haven't seen all 58 episodes. I've seen probably about 10 or 12 episodes, but they're, they're really good. I'm going to go back and check out a few more. And like I said, very well produced and very to the point. And it's not, yeah. not, each episode is not an hour or an hour and a half. It's right. Five, ten minutes. Which, I mean, how hard is that to have to whittle down all those experiences <laughs> down to five to ten minutes, man? Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like that after a good episode, by doing a show notes, like, damn, man. Like, I got I to gotta bring this down a little bit. So it doesn't turn into a thesis for everyone to read. Yeah, we should uh, make the podcast going into 2016, the five-minute show. <laughs> <laughs> right to the point, baby. <laughs> we could record ten episodes in one day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all those, all those asking, like, hey, when are you guys going to go through seven days a week? That's how we would do it. So like, okay, we just break it down five minutes every day. There you go. Enjoy. I remember we went from two episodes to one. People are going, "Oh, what's oh what's going God. on? What's going on is we got shit to do." <laughs> you know? we don't have, it's like we need. If you want us to do two episodes a week, we need to see a lot more support than we're seeing. That's what's up. <laughs> and on that note, yeah. time for segue. segue. Here. Yes, you can use that support. L L A. Use that coupon code L L A. Go get the best nutrition supplements money can buy. <laughs> Testosterone booster, estrogen control. A lot of you guys have had bitch tits for ten years. Time to get rid of it. 2016. Dedicate that year to it. <laughs> Recovery oil, get some great sleep, 
Restorezyme, get rid of all those aches and pains, and I've got a new adrenal energy product in development now that'll be out early next year. Perfect. And how about with you, man? Hey, man, go to newwarriortraining.com. Use the same coupon code. You can get the Weight Management 101 program. So now, once you're taking Mike's supplements, you know how to implement other aspects of your life to get rid of the bitch tits and take care of your health, man, and take control of that and not leave it in the hands of someone else. And also, you can get a Cheria door over there. We were talking about that earlier for all you coffee and tea lovers out there. So you can get that as well. Also, the wellness code was the digital copy. And I think I still have some hard copies over here. I, mean, I think I'm going to put those up as well in 2016. A, to clear up, clear out my house with the remaining copies that I have. You know, so yeah, I even go ahead and sign them and all that good stuff, man, just to kind of get them out of there. Because one of the biggest things I'm doing in 2016, which I'm always good at, is just clearing crap out of my life just getting i want as less stuff as possible i really want to get down to just being a minimalist man because you know my thing is even you know you know we're taking a page out of your book this christmas whereas we're not buying any gifts for anyone tomorrow here's my thing what do you care about okay we'll donate to that you know that's the thing about it so because again people have enough stuff yeah, exactly. And because usually they get over that stuff after one day. You know, the biggest thing is really teaching us to like my nieces, you know, and my kids already know because I'm just never been big on all that stuff in the first place. So I'm like, you know, you, my, you want all this stuff on this Christmas list? Well, the only thing I'm seeing missing from this list is you getting a job. <laughs> you know, my, that's the one thing you should want on this Christmas list. Yeah, get that to the top of the list and everything else. It's not about that. It's magic. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So. Like I said, I'm going to make that available, you know, as soon as possible on the website. Right. But in the meantime, you can get the digital version. So you can have one less thing cluttering up your house. You know, you can put on a hard drive and put it on the cloud. And once you mess up Apple's house and put it on the cloud by downloading it. So you can get all that stuff. Anything you can buy, both our websites, you know, you're going to go and get that discount with LLA, folks. So use that. And, and uh, also, one last thing. Become a monthly supporter of the show by going to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. And thanks to all of our supporters throughout this year, because we just started this thing with Patreon back in January, man, and it keeps growing every month. So we want to see that keep going because that helps us with the production, helps us with our time and putting together a good show and bringing on great guests and all that stuff. So, hey, and also shows that, you know, you actually give a damn and, you know, you're just not sitting there freeloading or as Mike would say. You know, got your head up your ass. You know, it's got to be getting kind of tight in there right now for some of you folks. I mean, after two and a half years of this show, you, I know you want to breathe. I know you want to see what the sun looks like out here. I mean, it's been dark for quite a while for some of you folks. Come out of the I darkness. To three episodes of someone's podcast. I'm finding some way to support the show. Exactly. You know, exactly. You just feel like you don't because you don't want to be that guy that we're talking about. Yeah, I can't be a hypocrite, man. I can't be a hypocrite. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to the, the Kevin Gill show. It's a really interesting show. This guy's really in the New York hardcore and wrestling. It's a really interesting show where he either has people in the wrestling world on the show. <laughs> so it's kind of like you and me. It's, it's like both of our interests. Like you got the yeah, hardcore yeah, and there's me with wrestling. It's like, well. Well, I'm listening to the show. I'm like, sincere. would love the show because he's a great host. It's either someone in the wrestling world or someone in the, the punk rock hardcore world. <laughs> nice. I was like, this guy's doing exactly what we're doing in the sense that he's finding his, he's taking his interest and making a show about it. Right, right. So there All you right, go, folks. folks. We're going to wrap it up. See you next time. Take care.